the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. All right, so I teased that I was going to talk about diapers, Biden, and how his 14-minute speech is obviously the time limit is around 7, as his vitamin B12, Viagra, and caffeine shots started to wear off, and at the end he just sounded like one of the Muppets. But I was listening to Tom Beck, and uh, I was looking at the Drudge Report and the, and the celebration over the police officer, Kimberly Potter, being arrested and charged with second-degree murder in what we all saw as she was arresting, you know, a, an honor student, clearly an honor student. He was uh, on his way to get the the uh, the lead valedictorian award and everything was going to be great. He was, you know, it was purely innocent. He, he didn't have an outstanding warrant. He, there was no no reason to pull him over. It was just it was clearly just a true act of racism. Right. I mean, that's the way you'd have it to believe. And now we could maybe see the baby pictures and It'll be the same thing. But I start the tease of every show by reading you the crime statistics in the Democrat utopia of Chicago. Twelve in one day. And that's not even close to a record. It's not even close to a record. It's not even that offensive anymore that we had 41 shots in Sunday. Or even the fact that we're not even halfway through April. We're a day shy. We got 160. How about the fact we got 897 shot this year? Where's all the BLM? Where's all of it? Where's all of it? And then I read, like I read last week, and I told you about uh, uh, Patricia Khan Colors, and I'm sure that's not her name. Patricia, I don't know what the hell her name is. The Marxist BLM leader buys the $1.4 million place in California, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. It turns out she has in excess of $8 million in holdings in real estate. Since she started that Marxist organization, BLM. I always love the hypocrisy, just like I did when Saul Alinsky, scumbag that he is, may he rot in hell, that he died in, at the time, a $2 million mansion in Carmel, California. I love how the Marxists live like capitalists. And it's reminiscent of how the, all the, the oligarchs and the Marxists and the phony salesmen of socialism and communism, how they really live and it doesn't matter because the useful idiots will cheer and they will use this as an excuse to loot and riot and intimidate and indict strangers. I was reading where the family of this honor student uh, was saying this clearly was no accident. It was intended. It's no accident. It was intended as if uh, as if the, the, the officer, by merely being white, was clearly a racist. Right. I mean, that's that's to where we've devolved, where morons self-enriching, self-aggrandizing morons are indicting strangers regardless of intention or what the job was. I, I, I can't take much more of this stupidity, and that's why I'm waiting for that new America to open up, but I don't think we can discover any more land. So I've got a story later about UFOs. To me, it's the only hope. I hope the aliens save us all because we are turning into the Soviet Union. And to prove my point... It's going to segue into this doddering dimwit that we pretend is capable of going to the bathroom without a nurse, let alone be the president of the United States. I had to suffer through 14 minutes of watching this idiot take once more, take credit for a Trump policy. But the part that put me over the edge of watching this dimwit isn't that I have to come to the realization that whether it's the 81 million fake people that voted for him or any tens of millions that would vote for this idiot. 
It's that I remember Joe Biden through the years advocate for intervention policies, sending troops everywhere he could send them because all he was interested in doing is shaking down the corporations that benefited. And then he said something that really proved what I'm saying to you because he pulled in the other corporatist, the so-called bipartisan. This is how you know. There are no Republicans and Democrats. They're twin towers of the same corporation, and they have the same banker. I spoke yesterday with President Bush, Bush. to inform him of my decision. Well, he and I have had many disagreements over policy throughout the years. We're absolutely united in our respect and support for the valor, courage, and integrity of the women and men of the United States Armed Forces who serve. Yeah, he loves the soldiers. He loves them. Wasn't too big on being one when Vietnam came, five deferments. Wasn't too big on that. I guess his son was one, but I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he saw as much action as if his name was Smith. You know, like they, like they all. I, I don't know, what are the statistics for how many senators' kids are, 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 are harmed in action? I don't know. But um, why Bush? Why would you go to, to George W. Bush? You remember Mums Bush? When Obama was the president, as he was destroying and implementing cornerstones of socialism into our country, you couldn't get a word out of George. George was busy. He was walking the dog. He was painting pretty pictures. All of a sudden, he was going to be an artist. Then he started to do a little wine tasting. The wife was making sandwiches. You couldn't hear him. Eight years, no Bush. Now I got to hear about this idiot again, Bush? Because it's really more evidence of the coordinated policies of profit. And none pays better than the military and the, and the interventionist policies of both the Republicans and the Biden Democrats. So now he understands that the boiling point of the citizens is at a tipping point. 20 years. If this war was a kid, it would be a sophomore in college. That's, that's the reality of where we are. And nobody knows why. Nobody has any answers. All we do is once in a while, we'll get a report of some bombing. And, of course, it's always the other side. It's always the other side. See, but that's not really the case. I paid attention when the original socialist dimwit that this moron was the vice president was in charge. I paid attention to the incompetence and, moreover, the, the mindless death of innocent people. An Obama administration estimate of the number of civilians killed by American counter-terror strikes is being called into question. An unprecedented report released Friday revealed how many so-called enemy combatants were killed outside war zones. But critics say the document significantly undercounts the number of non-combatant deaths. Jan Crawford is at the White House. Jan, good morning. Well, good morning. So the news came Friday afternoon, I mean, right before a holiday weekend, with the president signing an executive order that was aimed at creating more transparency for that drone program. But it the drone program, he lied, created the transparency because a scandal broke. Ninety percent of the drone attacks under the Obama Biden administration killed civilians that were not in the war zones. These two idiots were killing innocent people. Biden was on tour selling that B.S., to everybody who would say, hey, what the hell's going on? What are you doing with all this money? What's going on with these mercenaries? What's going on? Because even then, Democrats back then were a little curious as to what was going on. So now he has the audacity, this dimwit, has the audacity to take one of Trump's excellent foreign policies and confiscate it and pretend it is his own. This policy is Trump's policy. All he did is change the date for a PR statement. And yet there are morons out there, probably the same idiots that vote for the Chicago Democrats, that will make the mistake of pretending this is his policy, just as they do the vaccine quotas. Not that I go with vaccines, but once again, it's another example of Biden stealing Trump policies. And what they're trying to do by bringing up Bush's name is eliminate history. What they are going to do is make certain that anything Trump did, whether it be good or bad, is going to be erased. We went to Afghanistan in 2001 to root out al-Qaeda, to prevent future terrorist attacks against the United States planned from Afghanistan. Our objective was clear. The cause was just. Our NATO allies and partners rallied beside us. And I supported that military action along with overwhelming majority of the members of Congress. More than seven years later, 
He supported everyone. Every policy of interventionism, this dimwit supported. And not just because he was on the payroll of the companies that profited from the war, but because that's who he is, a clueless buffoon for sale, another political whore that knew, knew all he needed was another policy that enriched corporations dying to get contracts. And then, by the way, his brother gets a $1.5 billion contract to build homes in Iraq. Was he a builder? Uh-uh. You think he knows which end of a hammer to grab? No. He just knew where to get the contract. The level of corruption and incompetence is un... It, you can't measure it. You cannot measure it. What, what also you cannot measure is the idea that the American citizen would buy any of this speech. In 2008, weeks before we swore the oath of office, President Obama and I were about to swear. President Obama asked me to travel to Afghanistan and report back on the state of the war in Afghanistan. I flew to Afghanistan to the Kunar Valley, uh-huh. a rugged mountainous region on the border with Pakistan. Yeah. What I saw on that trip reinforced my conviction mm-hmm. that only the Afghans have the right and responsibility to lead their country, and that more and endless American military force could not create or sustain a durable Afghan government. Now, this is the same dimwit that armed the Taliban. Same one that that we have to now negotiate with, I guess. So I just really want to know, what are they going to call it? Is it going to be Taliban 4.1? Taliban 5.0? Because Joe Biden's been benefiting these people ever since they could say his name. It's probably one of the only names he could say. And when it came time to prove up of exactly the devastation to humanity, both Barack Obama and Joe Biden caused, they lied. It's just that transparency that has critics asking whether the administration is revealing enough. I think it's an indication of how far that we've come. The Obama administration says it has killed more than 2,300 enemy combatants by counter-terrorist strikes. But it acknowledged the harsh reality that the once-secret drone program may have been involved in anywhere from 64 to 116 civilian deaths since 2009 in areas outside active war zones. The president believes that our counter-terrorism strategy is more effective when we're as transparent as possible. 98% there is a question are innocent people. And there was a secret program. It w- it, back then we had investigative reporters. How many secret programs are going on that this dimwit, not only is he unaware of, but he's rubber stamped? Because if you believe, that's the question. Do you believe for one instance that Joe Biden is actually pulling troops out of the Middle East Or it is just a statistical shuffle. And in fact, under Joe Biden, we will increase interventionist policies. 312-642-5600. I will take your calls and your comments. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. He's a cartoon character. They lied to get us in. They lied about what happened while we were there. Continually lied, and they all profited. And now, in my opinion, they're lying about the so-called withdrawal. When you're a veteran in Afghanistan, you go to the top of the line. Al Waukegan, thanks for calling the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Love your show. I'll get on and off real quick here. Uh, The second time I deployed in 08, uh, yeah, we... There's a lot of shuffling going on. In fact, uh, I got a service member from uh, the Middle East to Afghanistan, probably midway three quarter of my tour. Uh, but my statement is, you don't appease, you don't win hearts and minds by appeasing the bad guys and sending our troops to jail over taking uh, IED control devices and then saying, well, that's their property and, and I'll give it back to them. You're going to get charged with felony theft or crap like that. Uh, you know, and, and jeopardizing our service members by doing that and then turning around and, and ha- not having a damn exit plan. And that's exactly what's going on. Al, I want to ask you something because I haven't had a chance to talk to a, a veteran from Afghanistan. How many veterans, in your opinion, are aware that Joe Biden and the Democrats 
along with a, a, a couple of McCain Republicans, were actually supplying weapons to the Taliban to have a proxy war with the Soviet Union mere two decades prior to us going in there. Probably special ops guys, and that's it. I'm, I wasn't even aware of that. Uh, I you mean, know, I think... Special ops guys are privy to that, but... Uh, now, what you saw there, um, would you say that there's any upside to us ever being there? Did we really no. accomplish anything? No, no. We we built some infrastructure, and that's a good thing. But you know, that's ten percent of why we were there. Yeah, and you how know, many of it is spent, how, uh, how much of it is still standing? Uh, where I was at in Kabul, I guess uh, that's an un- uninhabited. Uh, uh, fob for for U.S. folks now. I I don't know what uh, exists down in downtown Kabul, but uh, my particular fob and some of the outposts are not inhabited. So, well, Al, I want to thank you. Fun. Number one, I want to thank you for calling. I hope you call again. We, I I enjoy your perspective. Absolutely, and I, and I am so. To you and listen to you, sir. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy that you came back safe and you came back. I really am. That means a lot to me. Thank you very much, Al. It really does. Thank you. See, that's the point. We're sending guys there without a without a, a precise strategy, and we're building infrastructure in places that may be uninhabited the next year. They don't know what they're doing, which is why they supported the weapons to have the proxy war with the Soviet Union in the first place, and then they thought they were going to buy some grace with them. How'd that all work out? So now they're going to exit. How's that going to work out? How long before you have to go back in? It's a never-ending story. Now, some people think it's, we're doing the best for the people. Well, as the clip shows, we were killing the very innocent people. So we're going to help you right up until we have to kill you. But critics say they aren't transparent enough. Now it's the lack of precision in those numbers that's getting scrutiny. We're going to be asking really hard questions about these numbers. They're incredibly low for the number of people killed who are civilians. Even the highest U.S. government estimates are significantly lower than death totals compiled by watchdog groups. One estimates a maximum of 801 civilian deaths. 801 civilian deaths were bombing civilian areas. Do you think you can figure out why maybe the locals don't like the Americans too much? Because they're run by the Keystone cops we call a government. They have no plan. They just know they want to be there and they want the money flowing. That's what the plan is. Crank out the money because in the meantime, the 20 years, what we don't talk about are the trillions upon trillions we've simply wasted. And I'm cleaning that up because I was told not to lose the license. Craig, Mount Greenwood. Oh, hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. I got a question that comes up all the time when I hear the discussion on this. Where the heck is our military? In our, we got all these uh, brains in the high rank military that keep track of everything that's going on and what's going on all over the place. And then they, they realize that we're losing our sovereignty. We're losing our, our um, ability to like, take and uh, be, uh, protect ourselves. And this uh, diapered uh, dimwit, like uh, they're taking it so destructive and everything, wrecking everything and busting everything down. Craig, how you, know how you, know it's, you know how you know it's a scam, number one? You so say it's a military operation, yet you have a trillion-dollar contract with mercenaries. Why would you do that? Either it's the military or mercenaries or drone strikes. What, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I'd like to know, and you'll never know, because the government is covering its own derriere, how many of the drones actually killed American soldiers there? They used to call it friendly fire. We'll never know. You can't get the truth from them. They're professional liars. Report critics say also doesn't designate the region where the deaths occurred or explain how officials determined who was an enemy and who was not. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And what's even more outrageous is you want me to believe people wanted this idiot in charge of things? 312-642-5600. We'll, we'll be back after this. So I got to tell you, I was... Uh, I have my loyal and trusted dear apprentice slash cohort slash friend on the board today. And he sent me a little thing. Stop yelling. I, I got to tell you, I yell and it's true because I'm not selling you anything. This is how I talk. I'm not smooth. I'm not polished. I'm not conning you. 
and I'm disgusted at what's been happening to my country. I'm disgusted that we've been undermined by frauds like this diaper-wearing moron who should be sitting in Villa Scalabrini asking where the clicker is and what time rice pudding gets there. The idea that we're led by this Trojan horse, this buffoon, well, the whole time what's behind them, who's really making the decisions, are the same idiots that stoked the flames of this destruction we call our reality in the Obama years. Same people, same exact people. People that I know couldn't come in my cigar store. I know, I know wouldn't, you wouldn't tolerate it at, at a Thanksgiving dinner open and notorious Marxists and socialists and con men and frauds. And they put this idiot out there because they think he appeases the people. They think the people buy this BS because it's this old codger in a diaper. To watch him do this speech is pathetic. What a laughing stock we must be. I mean, we're laughing at him in this country. Can you imagine what the foreign allies, I guess, they are? Because he's going to talk about the allies in this clip I'm going to play. What he's not going to tell you is we're the ones loaning them the money. We're bribing them to be allies. After consulting closely with our allies and partners, with our military leaders and intelligence personnel, with our diplomats and our development experts, with the Congress and the Vice President, as well as with Mr. Ghani and many others around the world, uh-huh. I've concluded that it's time to end America's longest war. I conclude. It's time for American troops to come home. I don't think you can conclude if you're done going to the bathroom. You didn't conclude anything. You took a policy that was popular. That was Trump's policy. You tried to confiscate it. You're successfully changing a date as a PR stunt. And you're more on Democrats, the frauds that they are, the self-enriching scum that they are, are going to pretend this is your idea. And I'm going to listen to CNN and the other propagandists tell me that you're anti-war when your entire career has been war profiteering. That's what the Biden Inc., Biden Corp., that's what it is. It is a, it, it is a subsidiary of war providing corporations in the same way Bush Corp is. That's why he wanted to talk to old Georgie boy. That's why. Because they wanted to decide if they can shift the money supply to other nations that are in turmoil. Because here in America, we're going to kill you right into democracy. You're going to love it. It's going to be splendid. And we wonder why everyone doesn't like us. How could you? I am an American, and it is obvious we are invading and we are staying in countries we're not welcome. And by the way, when moron Democrats are in charge, we're bombing innocent families at the same time. This isn't about war policy. They always wrap that flag to blindfold you. They use your patriotism against you. And this is what has been happening since the end of World War II. Since the end of World War II, you can go virtually into every single conflict we've been in. And nobody can tell you to what avail, to what to what the purpose was and how it benefited Americans. Oh, they'll give you this fairy tale. Do you think by us being there, we're stopping another September 11th attack? What are you? you, You're arguing something that can never be proven. Number one, you still didn't decipher the first one. Now you're you're telling me, oh, we but we've got to keep our troops there and we've got to keep the trillions going there or 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 we'll get attacked. It'll be a suitcase thing. It'll be all. Yeah, I'm starting to get real suspicious of the people that keep telling me they need to keep killing innocent people so that I'm safe. I don't buy a word of it. Teresa, Northside. Hey, Sean. You know, our military is not the world's babysitter. That's not what our military was designed for. It was designed to protect us, to protect us Americans. Do you see militaries in these other countries building schools and trying to protect their people? No, you don't. And so why the, are we there? Because what they do, they, they, they take people like me and you, and they take our affection for the veteran, not the one that just called my show, but all of them. They take our affection for these soldiers who would, who would risk their lives, and we buy a tagline. We buy a sales pitch. They're over there for me. They're not over there for me. They're over there for Biden, no. Inc. and Bush Corp. That's what they're there for. If they wanted to solve, you know how many problems you could solve in one fell swoop? Take every military and make their training along the border. Let's train the, the, the Marines, the Army, the Air Force. The, let's train them all along the, the southern border. 
Now we've accomplished two things. We don't need a wall anymore. We've got, we've got the, the military training right there protecting our border. And then we put prisons all along the gaps. That's how you solve two birds, three birds with one stone. They don't want to do that. I they like it. it this way. I love it. Because this idiot gets to come out in his depends. He gets to squint with one eye. I, I, can you ever watch him speak? He's got one eye that blinks and one that doesn't. He looks like a robot that's short-circuiting with that dimwit old man voice. And he gets to, to sell you this nonsense, this Western Avenue used car salesman, no offense, guys, nonsense where they're spewing BS. I can't take much more of it. I'll tell you the truth. It's sickening to me because how many lives, 20 years you've changed? How many veterans have died, maimed, depression? All and their families, too. And now it's all better because no. this idiot says, I'm going to take him out by September 11th, when the reality is he had the cave because it was a policy by the former president that the people demanded. And now he's going to step in like he did something, like he came to a conclusion. He's a moron. The only one dumber than him are the people that vote for him. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Don on the south side. Yeah, I just want to talk about making Washington, D.C. a state. Obviously, they just want to do it to get two more uh, senators. Uh, I got a better solution. Originally, Washington, D.C. was supposed to be an independent area controlled by Congress, so it was not part of a state. It was part of Virginia and Maryland. Uh, if you really want to give those people representation for a state uh, so they can vote on senators and congressmen, revert that land back to Maryland or Virginia. We don't have the cost of creating a whole new state and all the bureaucracy that comes with that. And I like that it. comes with that. Mm-hmm. They're just you know, part of the original state. The only you know what else side we do? is the left will have maybe another congressman, but they won't get two senators. It's or partisan agreement could possibly go on it, too. Or, Don, what we could do is give it to Elizabeth Warren's people. Let's give it to the Indians. They could open up a casino there. And for once, D.C. will be profitable for other people other than corrupt political whores like the one in office. Ed, Southside. Hey, Sean. How you doing, buddy? Good, brother. How are you? Sorry, I, I got thrown off. You, you had that commercial with Pop's Beef. Now I'm hungry. All right. No problem. Uh, That's what yeah, they're there this, for. <laughs> this Biden, this guy doesn't even know what day it is. I mean, no. you know, it, this... Uh, this bombing thing, it, Obama bombed more uh, countries during his presidency than any that ever anybody in America. Seven. You know, he he took a two front war in two nations and he brought it up to uh, nine. He was bombing nine yeah. countries. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's it, the it, Democrats. It, it, and and in the meantime, Ed, where was Code Pink? Remember when Bush was president? When Biden's pal Bush, yeah. the head of Bush Inc. When Bush was president, Code Pink was parked out front of his ranch. What the hell happened to him? They should be parked outside. The, one of, the, you know what it is? Ed, I, I answered my own question. They don't know which one of Biden's multi-million dollar properties to go to. That must be it. I, I think they only travel with that one lady, and I think she had she probably had a Subaru. So they can't figure out which property to go to. I still don't believe them 10, 10 guys from the middle of the desert turn them planes around and knock them buildings down. I mean... Well, these are all things. things these are all things that uh, you know. This is it. You got to be. It's the it's the pitch. It's like until I see. Uh, thank you very much for the call. We don't want to get into the September 11th conspiracy theories. Although, I think it's fair to have questions. I I always have questions. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about all kinds of military secret operations. Since taking office, President Obama has significantly expanded the drone program. Earlier this year, he acknowledged there have been unintended consequences. There's no doubt that uh, civilians were killed that shouldn't have been. In this latest reform of the program, Mr. Obama signed an executive order meant to protect civilians and make the public disclosure of civilian deaths by drone more routine. It's a clear statement by the U.S. government that the protection of civilians is at the core of national interests, of legal obligations, and an ethical concern. Who was prosecuted? Who was prosecuted? I mean, for just a minute, take yourself off of the the neocon sales pitch of where we have to kill them into democracy and they're just going to love it after we eliminate the troublemakers. And for just a minute, Say you got your family and your brother-in-law's across the street and you watch his house get blown up by a drone and he had nothing to do with nothing. And now all your nieces and your nephews are dead. You're going to love America? You're going to root for them? See, we have no idea. This, this is dropping a pebble into a pond and pretending there is not a tsunami you cannot see. And now you think after 20 years of us doing this nonsense, 
Everything's going to be peachy keen when we leave. Have no idea what they're doing. Joe Biden has been living his entire life with no idea what he's doing. But he's well-dressed. He lives in a multi-multi-million dollar mansion, and not just the one we pay for. He's got about $10 million that I can count in real estate. I wonder how much is in the son's name, huh? And the brother and the sister. Good thing, if I was a Democrat, this wouldn't bother me at all. Maybe just for the sleep quality and the peace of mind, maybe Chicago scumbag mafia Democrats sleep a little better than those of us that think. 312-642-5600. We'll be back after this. I know it is not the normal conservative talk radio sales show. I don't do it. Sorry. Don't do it. Won't do it. Matters to me when kids are sold a bill of goods, used as tools and excuses and shields so that scumbags can get away with really bad things for high profit. I know. I know. It's not, it's not typical. And maybe, hey, maybe I'm willing to always admit maybe at some point I'm wrong. I just don't know. As you review every war since World War II. Does it look like we're wrong? Fred, Northwest Side. When I say we, I mean me. I don't make. I don't think you think the way I do. Go ahead, Fred. Yeah, I was uh, wondering what what happened to the families. Did they ever take care of the families from Benghazi? Which ones? Because if I remember correctly, weren't we supporting both sides of that whole thing? I don't remember which yeah, I ones. Think, yeah, some uh, somehow I thought that some of our people got killed over there. You know what's funny? Yeah, yeah. Some of our people got killed, and and unfortunately for the for the news for the for the tagline, some lived. Right? I mean, that was the real problem. Some lived, and were able to tell the story. If they all would have got killed, they could have told us anything they wanted. They could have told us that the whole thing was about a video on YouTube. These are Democrats. Yeah. This is what they do, Fred. This is how they profit. This is how they live. This is why some Irish gypsy fraud drunk like Biden owns $10 million in real estate that he has to admit to and probably another 40 we'll never know about. This is why. So yeah. you'll have to forgive me, Fred. I'm never going to do that, uh, that nonsense where I tell you the neocontag of we have to kill people so that they love us, and we have to kill them into democracy. They're going to love that, too. How's our democracy working? It doesn't feel like a democracy under this administration, does it? feels a lot like uh, an autocracy. That's how it feels to me. And the only difference is this king really doesn't have any clothes on. Thank you for the call, Fred. Um, and, the, and, and, and the fact of the matter is that the people should, on both sides, this should be bipartisan at this point. This shouldn't be something that Democrats, who, who historically were against the military-industrial complex, at least that's what I remember, but is that only when Republicans are in? Is that only when Republicans are in? That's the way it appears to me. And what you see now is Joe Biden finally, finally, well, it wasn't really him. I'm not going to pretend Joe Biden came to any conclusion or came up with any thought. But the Democrats realized what Donald Trump did, because he spent so much time as an independent thinker, and at, at some point even having that anti-war view that the Democrats shared. He spent so much time watching that. Don't forget, he was in the same boat as Biden. He got the deferments and all that, too. But the main thing is they shared one thing in common. They didn't want to go to war. The only difference is Donald Trump didn't want to send anybody to war. Joe Biden has no problem sending people to war, just as long as uh, he doesn't really have to risk his own family. Oh, and I know the son served. I know he did. I know. I know the other one did, but he got thrown off for a little crack problem. But the one that served, and I'm, I, you know, I'm sure it's, he probably had the same exact experience as uh, our caller who, who served in Afghanistan. Our diplomacy does not hinge on having boots in harm's way, U.S. boots on the ground. We have to change. Everything he's done for 47 years has promoted Boots on the ground. Everything, every vote, every speech from the floor. Joe Biden is literally speaking against Joe Biden before the dementia kicked in. So maybe the dementia in his case has, has been enlightening to his positions. He's that thinking. American troops shouldn't be used as a bargaining chip between warring parties. They shouldn't be used as propaganda. They shouldn't be used as a PR statement. They shouldn't be used to enrich your family. But that's what they do. Bush did it. You do it. And that's why it's uber important. You guys stay on the same page. I spoke yesterday with President Bush to inform him of my decision. Well, he and I have had many. The audacity, 
the outright audacity. And the media will ask nothing, and they will tell you nothing. He has seized a policy of Trump's, and he pretends it's his own. And he will be endorsed, he will be supported, and the media will promote this lie just like every other lie. And you want me to believe when we send people in the the so-called congressmen and senators to fight for us, we have a chance in winning? Well, it was enlightening when Bonner, Boehner, whatever, the drunk, the lucky strike drunk, John Boehner, was on his book tour. He kind of let us know what happens. In the beginning of your book, you talk about how in 2010, Barack Obama took a shellacking, as that's his word, uh, from the voters uh, because of his policies and whatnot. And then a bunch of Republicans wound up in the House. You were the Speaker of the House. And in the beginning, because nobody, the incoming class didn't know how to govern, so you tried to show them how to do it. Uh, but they weren't really interested in that, you write. They were interested in essentially blowing up Washington. They felt like they were sent to Washington to just completely change it, and they saw you as a sellout, a liberal collaborator. You're right. Well, it was really pretty interesting uh, when all of a sudden I was the establishment. I mean, I had spent my whole career uh, working outside of the establishment. And he does the interview. With a $25,000 chandelier behind him in his $2.5 million penthouse on Marco Island. There's your Republicans. The Democrats and the Republicans have the same banker. They have the same stocks. And they have the same BS. The greatest thing to ever happen is is, is the idea that a president stood outside of that and said something that no Republican would have ever said before. Bring them home. And instead of him getting credit for that, he's being lied about. And this policy is being adopted by the very frauds that profited for four decades on it. Five decades. He's doing it again. I'm sorry. I had to tell you that. I know it's not the normal show, but that's what we do here. We'll be back after this. the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so I love talk radio. I absolutely love it. I think it's the last place you have any chance to uh, have freedom of speech. I really do. I get to talk to so many people I would never normally talk to. Callers, so interesting, veterans. And uh, every once in a while I get to talk to somebody I admire. And that's the case with this filmmaker, author, podcast, Dinesh D'Souza. I am honored to be joined by you. How are you? Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Good to be on the show. Well, there's so much I want to talk to you about, Um, but I was reading your article. It is fascinating to me, and you bring up some very fascinating points. And what it really shows is we are really facing more than just a debate because a debate has some, some sense of truth at the end of the debate. There's some fact we can all look at, even no matter what side. We're arguing with people who see things absolutely and totally different than we do. Is that fair? Yes, I think it is there. Um, there's been a, um, almost you could call it a secession of the American mind. And, um, and the other side uh, appears to be in full propaganda mode. I mean, these latest Project Veritas videos about CNN are just illustrative that they, they see themselves as propaganda. Now, I think if you go back a generation, you might say that Dan Rather and Walter Cronkite and all those guys, you know, had their biases, but I think they would be genuinely indignant if you accuse them of just being tools of propaganda. But I think that's really how a lot of journalists on the left see themselves. They, they're an extension of the political left, and they're propagandists for the Democratic Party. And you have had the chance throughout your history to debate some very prominent Marxists pretending to be 
Democrats, and I was uh, interested in your Bill Ayers debate and at that moment how you realized what you were up against. Yeah, a lot of these guys now, in the case of Bill Ayers, he's, I think, a kind of committed leftist and, and socialist. Uh, he, now, he grew up in a wealthy family. His dad was the chairman of Con Edison, so he's sort of a son of a capitalist who decided to go the other extreme, if you will. Um, but then you've got, you know, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, this um, woman named Patrice Khan Galores. She spouts all the Marxist claptrap, but meanwhile she's buying four homes and collecting millions of dollars and using her nonprofit to enrich herself and doing racial shakedowns on major corporations in America. So on the one hand, it seems like these people are all about the ideology, but then when you look a little more closely, it's all about the money. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Dinesh, I actually saw Bill Ayers on the Eisenhower Expressway in Chicago, and he was in a Mercedes S550. I found that to be wonderful. The Mercedes Marxist, I thought that was fantastic. Um, But he believes that America is great, not because of the Americanism or the principles that it's founded in, but he believes it's great because it doesn't persecute anarchists and am I wrong in assuming in his in his interpretation of America, he took advantage of that until the anarchists could, in fact, be in control of the levers of power? That's a very insightful point. In fact, he one of his slogans, I believe this is in his book, uh, Fugitive Days, guilty as sin, free as a bird. And so his point was, I did it. I was, you know, I did try to blow up the Pentagon. I mean, that sense that he has that in common with Osama bin Laden. And yet the main difference is that he didn't spend a day in prison. He was a fugitive for a while, uh, but he's associated with, you know, people who did the Brinks robbery. In fact, his adopted son, Chesa Boudin, is the uh, son of um, the, uh, the people who did the Brinks robbery and were serving long prison sentences. That's why Bill Ayers adopted their kid. So, um, but the point I think you alluded to at the beginning is correct, which is that we think of the left as being, quote, anti-American, but it's really that they love a different America. They love the America of gay rights and transsexual bathrooms and do whatever you want, and the America of social redistribution, uh, and the America of, you know, American Indians fighting to get their land back and reparations. That's their America. They are patriotic toward that America. What they don't like is our America. They don't like the America of Little Leagues and, and the old Boy Scouts and the, and the Star Spangled Banner and the American Founders and Christopher Columbus. That's the America they hate. And they don't like the America. What I'm coming to learn is they don't like the America where the individual is sovereign and the individual is to be treated with respect and he has unalienable rights. They're very comfortable and very confident in becoming the the despot and the dictator and the fascist as they practice this mobocracy we call our reality and it's bothering me to the extent of the old liberals uh, don't exist anymore in fact i'm the old liberal um and i'm the one that doesn't want to force everybody into anything and i can't see a policy that the democrat party has today that is not rooted in force well, I think it is the, the way in which the Democrats and the left have completely turned against civil liberties and due process that is the shocker. I mean, they were always a little ambivalent about the religious freedom clause of the First Amendment, but they were very big on the no-establishment clause. Uh, and they certainly supported free speech, and they fought a lot of cases. The ACLU did, for example, in the 1970s and 80s, to uphold free speech, even at the far extremes, in things like you know, defending the Nazis marching in Skokie. They certainly defended due process, uh, you know, under law. And so it's a little shocking now when you see these cases, you know, again, and someone says something like, well, I'm I'm sure the defendant deserves due process. Oh, you know, let's fire this guy. Let's get rid of him. How can he say that? You know, (laughs) so suddenly you have this, the left turning against basic liberties. Dinesh, I uh, start my show by by telling people how many kids were shot on the south side of Chicago or Chicago in general. Now it's really not just held to the south side. Yesterday we had 1,260 for the month, and we're on the 14th, and you know nearly 900 for the year. And um, we don't get the press that this um, woman, Kimberly Potter, got as a police officer who was arresting a criminal and now is charged with second-degree murder. Do you think that the entire Democrat Party is in, or do you think at a certain point it will be so ridiculous that even some lifelong Democrats will turn? 
Well, I think the left is in a full court press to try to bring everybody over to their side um, by trying to cajole them and if not to force them. I mean, a very revealing thing today, the New York Times published an article listing the names of all the major corporations that did not sign on to the Wall Street Journal ad calling for a you know, resistance to the voter integrity laws in Georgia and places like that. They're literally naming all these corporations didn't sign on. And the idea is you better sign on or, or remember, we've got you in our laser sights. So there's an effort here to kind of um, bring everybody to heel uh, using the combined power of digital censorship, the media, uh, Hollywood. So the left has had a dominant position in the culture, but I've never seen them try to deploy that with such naked force against their opponents. Even the inequity in treatment between the January 6th defendants, I mean, look, you've got a woman, a mother of four, who's facing 50 years in prison for what? Supposedly grabbing the shield of a cop. Now compare this with all the people jumping up and down on cop cars as we speak in Minnesota, setting things on fire, punching the cops. Um, so there's far more violence I see every single day, and yet nobody describes that as a riot or an insurrection. I don't see mass arrests. Apparently the people who are arrested get let out the next day. So there's a kind of glaring inequity of treatment that can't go unnoticed for anyone who's willing to see. Now, you've done you, your career fascinates me. And I mean this. I mean, uh, I went to film school for I tolerated about a year and six months and I couldn't take it. But you've you've been so successful in so many films. You're an author. But the reality is when you went to Dartmouth, you were actually on your path to be an economist. Is that fair? Is that right? Do I have that right? Well, my my parents certainly wanted me to, you know, major in economics and go to business school and have a kind of a more conventional career. You know, I look around and I see all these Asian-American engineers and doctors, and, and I think my parents would have been very happy if I'd followed one of those paths instead I decided to become, you know, a Reaganite and a political rebel and edit a rebel newspaper and then come to Washington and work in the Reagan White House and then, of course, become a kind of political troublemaker. But I think I've had a lot more fun over my career and, and probably ended up being more successful. Well, I want to... I don't get a chance to talk to many economists. I want to. I want to pick your brain. I have a theory, and I want to know. I want your opinion on it. I believe that capitalism has been bastardized from politicians, knowing that if they collaborated with Keynesianism, they would put in place an economic sabotage through policy that would forever take away the future of American capitalism. And I think we are at that point. And through the failed policies and the massive, massive amounts of failure and debt, we don't really have much to fight back with anymore. Do you think I'm on uh, the right path? Well, I think our, our capitalism of today, uh, I mean, there is a dynamic element to it that has, you know, helped to produce, for example. I mean, we're living through a communications revolution, um, and I think we can think of, this is the third communications revolution. You know, the first one, of course, was the revolution that had the telegraph and the railroads, the revolution of the late 19th century. And then, of course, in the early 20th century, a second revolution symbolized really by the car and the airplane. Um, and this one's symbolized by the Internet and the computer and the iPhone. So there's a tremendous amount of creativity that has produced this. Now, that being said, at the same time, the same people who have built these platforms have become very scary people. Uh, and it's partly because they have this kind of quasi-monopoly power. It's partly because they work in coordination with each other, which is a very anti-capitalist thing to do. Adam Smith basically describes it as businessmen conspiring together to fix prices. But So he would be horrified to see what these people are doing. And then you've got these large monopolies, private monopolies, but they're working in tandem with the Biden administration. So big business comes together with the government uh, in which is in something that comes close to being an operational definition of fascism. And when you see um, bills, you know, the entire conservative, the Goldwater movement was started with $80 billion of debt. When you see bills be bantied around that are in the tune of trillions, like, like, like nothing, every bill is trillions upon trillions. And um, there's really little specificity. Are you shocked by the lack of pushback and organization 
by Republicans. It seems like they're the Keystone cops to me. It's very sad because it's it's almost as if the the one man who's never present at any of these debates who is being looted every day is the is the taxpayer, you know, and 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 is the country in general. Because remember, if you if you took all the wealth of America, I mean, you added it all up. And that, by that, I mean everybody's house and everybody's car and everybody's bank account. You just add the whole thing together. It's about 90 to $100 trillion. Okay, and that's a lot of wealth. So the country's not going to go away overnight. It's not going to collapse overnight. But when you start running 20 and $25 trillion of debt, I mean, that's a quarter of your entire net worth. And then when you start you know, spending a trillion here, a trillion there, um, this is essentially bankrupting the United States. It won't happen overnight. It won't happen even next year or in five years. But the U.S.'s position relative to other up-and-coming countries in the world, which are fiercely competitive, are increasing their wealth dramatically, are strategically using it to build connections and influence all over the world. Just to see this sort of doddering fool Biden and this you know, giggling idiot Kamala Harris and their, their whole coterie of clowns who are advising them. I mean, it's just frightening to think of the future of the United States with these people in charge. Dinesh, I don't do this a lot, but do you have t- I know how busy you are. Do you have time to stick with me through a break? I have time to do one more segment and then I need to run. All right, very good. We'll be back with Dinesh D'Souza. Thank you, Dinesh. Thank you. All right. Dinesh, I don't want to keep you too long, but I want you to tell me about the podcast, because my understanding is we are now colleagues. Yeah, this podcast is a really a new venture for me, because as you mentioned, I've been, you know, I've been a writer and a filmmaker, a speaker. Um, but I started a daily podcast um, January 11th. So I've been doing it now for three months. It's an audio and video, but I decided to jump in, you know, the whole hog. So I do it five days a week for an hour and it's on audio on uh, Google and Apple and Spotify and it's on video in uh, YouTube and Rumble. Dinesh, I want to tell you, I'm going to let you go. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you staying with me. Where can I, uh, where can I access some of your stuff? And before, do you have any more movie projects coming up? I do have a couple of movie projects in the works. Now, the movie industry has been kind of in the doldrums under COVID, so I'm kind of looking forward to people you know, being able to get out again and going to the theater again, we won't really be, uh, I think that's not going to probably happen until the fall. So I'm cooking up a couple of things uh, that I can release either later this year or next year. Now, I'm all over social media, not just on Twitter, but also Parler, Rumble, which is a video platform I really like. It's really important, I think, for our side to develop a certain independence from some of these platforms that can cancel us any day. Um, and then my podcast is all over the place uh, that you can get podcasts, including, by the way, the Salem platform called SalemNow.com. So uh, this is nice. I've, I've never really had a kind of platform where I can kind of sound off on my own on a daily basis and react to events and lay out my thoughts. But the podcast gives me a chance to do that. Well, I want you to know one of those numbers you see, one of those little numbers, they'll be me. So I want to tell you so much. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much, Dinesh. I wish you the best of hey, luck. Yeah, I appreciate looking it. Forward. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye now. I think it's we are richer for having Dinesh D'Souza on our side and people like him. And the nice thing about it is this isn't what he started out to do. This isn't what I started out to do. The important part is you can, too. Do something like this, the podcasts, the making a difference, the speaking up, but more importantly, the recognizing exactly what we're facing. We are facing people here who do not want a return to American principles or Americanism. They see things completely different than we do. What we take pride in and we take patriotism in, they view as their enemy. This isn't something you can compromise with. We are facing American Marxists. We are facing American corporatists and corruption. If we're going to change things, we have to do it by making sure whoever sits on that ticket and opposes the, the American Marxist party is not a John Boehner light. You know, it's fascinating to me. This guy was nowhere to be found. He writes a book, and all of a sudden he's everywhere. Why? Is it because Paul Ryan sits on the board of Fox? Is it because Adam Kinzinger can raise $3.5 million after he starts a PAC, an anti-Trump PAC? I always say to myself, it's amazing to me 
that the American Marxists have taken over the Democrat Party. What has taken over the Republican Party? It's only since 2010 that the Tea Party started. We sent the election, really 2009. We had the massive election win in 2010. And to what avail? To what profit? To what success? Here we are just 11 years later. The bills that spurred a movement of conservatism are being dwarfed by spending bills, and they're supported by neocons. I mean, it's crucially important we get back to these principles, and that's why these podcasts by Dinesh D'Souza, the platform, not just of Salem alone. Salem is my company, and it's my favorite company. But this is something that everybody has to get involved in. This is something that everybody can make a difference in. I think it's the most important thing in America today is the pushback against the obvious and present real danger. The American Marxist pretending to be Democrats. We'll be back after this. That's my guy right there. Love it. Yeah, I gotta let that breathe. Listen, one of the uh, things I love about this is that we can talk about a variety of different topics. And I have wanted to talk about this since uh, Jerome Powell was on 60 Minutes and I had Misty cut it up for me and I have left it on the board for three days. And I want to get to this story, but the show flies by. I mean, this is the fastest two hours. I need another hour. And now I think uh, Dinesh D'Souza's wife is mad at me because I kept him through the break. So that's not going to happen. So I'm going to fit this in now because I uh, had talked about it with Dinesh. I believe that this is economic sabotage by the American Marxist posing as a Democrat. I believe it's very strategic, the spending, the waste, the fraud, and the abuse. Because government not only doesn't have any repercussions from its misappropriation of funds, it often gains strength. It, not often, it always gains strength and more money. It's the only entity on the earth that can lose money and nobody goes to prison they could waste it people they know could grab it and they just say oh we need more and and the american people don't have a vote why don't they have a vote the federal reserve it is a corrupt system that we bought into and by the way it's stated that it's going to help the economy it has done anything but the federal system the federal reserve system in this country is a cartel a corrupt cartel that is paid backwards and forwards and sideways. There's so many ways in which they're getting paid and making money. We don't even know it. And most people are too uninterested to pay attention. But when you do pay attention is when their policies lead to your inflated uh, costs and your dollar devaluation. The Democrats have, have performed such significant economic, Democrats and Republicans, I shouldn't give Republicans like John Boehner a pass because they've they've been in on the scam, too. That's how he lives in the two and a half million dollar condo in Marco Island. They have been in on this for from really 1913. It is an atrocity. It is thievery. Right now, I read in the in the Drudge Report, Madoff to hell because Bernie Madoff died. If Bernie Madoff was a senator, he'd have been elected for 47 years, and he probably could have won the presidency because Bernie Madoff wasn't half the con man, Ponzi scheme artist, as your average American senator. Not half as bad. The only difference is these senators get pensions, and they keep getting rewarded to where we got a buffoon in diapers in the Oval Office. That's the repercussion. Bernie Madoff is not half of the scumbag Ponzi scheme con man that Joe Biden is. The only difference is we underwrite Joe Biden and he gets to come on and sell us this BS. Jerome Powell isn't such a good salesman. In fact, Jerome Powell is very obvious as he talks to 60 Minutes of what a, what a fraud and what a what a papered over con man he is. A private hedge fund called Archegos collapsed last month after borrowing billions from banks to make risky bets on stocks. Now the banks are out billions of dollars. How concerned are you that the financial system is blundering into the same kind of opaque, risky bets that led to the Great Recession in 2008? This is an event that we're, we're monitoring very carefully. Listen, we're monitoring it very carefully. This system, these banks have been overtaken by the Federal Reserve. It's very hard to even find one. I think we're, we, we went from 97 before 08 to we're down to 12 now and really only five. 
So it's very hard to find a bank that isn't in collusion. So when you hear these scandals of these corrupt corporatists borrowing money on lies from multiple banks, you're going to tell me nobody knew? And then when they lose billions, you're going to tell me we the people don't underwrite it? Because too big to fail is now a standard term. And Jerome Powell is at it again. And working with regulators here and around the world yeah, to regulators. understand. And um, I would say a couple of things. First, this incident doesn't really raise questions about the stability of the financial system or of... No, not at all. Billions, we lose it? No big deal. It's probably not even... You're not even going to feel it. Those institutions, which are uh, mostly foreign banks. What's concerning about it, though, is, and surprising, frankly, is that a single customer client of one of these large firms could result in such substantial losses to these large firms in a business that is generally thought to present relatively well understood risks so that that is surprising and concerning and you know we're going to understand that and get to the bottom of it the financial corruption in this country is green lighted by the jerome pauls out there they have given banks directions and how to loan the money and who to loan it to. And then when all hell breaks loose, they step away as if they were merely a victim or a witness instead of the perpetrator. What, what we try to do is make sure that the banks understand the risks that they're running and have, have systems in place to manage them. This would appear to be a significant uh, shortfall, uh, a failure on that <laughs> front. Think? And so that's something we're looking at. Archegos was able to invest only about 15% of its own money in all these stocks that it was buying. And that was made possible by the banks through something called total return swaps. Those derivative swaps. See, when one swap goes away, another appears. Total return swaps. Hmm, that's quite a word salad. You're going to tell me we're not underwriting all of this? Those are um, already regulated, in effect. Um, it's the kind of thing where we would expect those banks to know what they're doing. That's a fairly common instrument. We would expect banks to understand the risks that they're running. I think what really happened is that they did understand the risks that they were running. They, what they didn't understand was that this one investor was doing the same thing with five or six prime brokers around New York. And that when it came time to liquidate positions, it was six firms or so trying to liquidate positions. So there yeah, wasn't enough liquidity. So it was a it was a risk management breakdown and one that we're looking very uh, carefully at uh, to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. The money that's being poured into banks now is unimaginable. Because we have allowed these these frauds to undermine and backdoor nationalize our banking system. And when all hell breaks loose, they glaze it over. They put lipstick on that pig and they sell it right back to us. As the reality is, this is just going to go on the pile of bailout money. So when you go to the lumber yard this weekend, when you're, you finally do that one project, and the, and the sheet of plywood is $100, these are the things that lead to it. It's not just him, it's other policies. But this is what the collapse of our dollar is. This is who's in charge of monetizing our debt. That is a term in itself that knows that you should know at that point you're underwriting all of these failures. So they may come up with a company name or a company here or a bank there. But this is to the point now where we are underwriting it and they have no answers of how to stop the very corrupt system they created. All they know how to do is to continue to just click the mouse and create the numbers. The Chinese last month unveiled the world's first digital currency from a major power. Currency that would not be printed, but would exist only in cyberspace on your phone, for example. Is the Fed working on a digital dollar? We are actually evaluating that. Most um, major countries uh, are now looking at, at the possibility of having a digital currency and really asking the question, in our very modern advanced economy with a, with a, a fast, efficient, full-blown payment system, would adding a, a, a digital currency, a form of digital currency, would it actually benefit the public that we serve? That's the question. That yeah, because they're worried about you with the digital dollar. They're worried about if it's going to benefit you, not them. So now the keys to the castle will be turned over to the Jerome Pauls of the world. As I mean, they already have been. But now we're going to digitize it. How are you going to audit it? 
Remember when that was the big slogan, audit the Fed. I mean, even Trump said it. Whatever happened? He dropped that real quick when he got in. Because the reality is, these are the kind of people who are in charge. I'm of the belief structure that this economic sabotage enriched only but a few American oligarchs. The only thing we have on our side against this so-called digitized dollar is they'd have to come out of the woodwork, too. That's the only thing on our side. There's enough crooks in on it that they may actually give the, the hairdresser and the bartender and the waitress and the guy who doesn't trust banks to put the money under his mattress like my grandmother from the Depression used to do. They may actually allow the American people to pretend to be in control of at least the money that these policies destroy. This is, this is unimaginable. And the problem is it's being questioned and the authorities aren't standing there. The authorities should be standing there. And every one of these Fed heads should be arrested for the cartel, the corrupt oligarchs they are. So when you, when you experience this inflation, and we're just at the very beginning, remember who's at fault and don't give a pass because you didn't want to get involved or didn't think about it. We don't have an economy anymore. We've been nationalized. We have saboteurs posing as Fed chairmen and senators and congressmen. And that's why the bills are bigger. It is unimaginable. We are talking about trillions and trillions of dollars. And how do you stop it? They don't know. Dinesh D'Souza was exactly right. There's not enough money in the planet to fund this kind of fraud. Now, if you took it right away, you took everybody's money. How do you separate the government cheese from the private economy? Because these are the son of guns who've been in charge and they have been running wild with it. And the only pushback is what? When are you going to do it to me? It's time to get involved. It's time to pay attention to these things. We're underwriting this skullduggery. 312-642-5600. We'll be back after this. <laughs> I got heckled. I like getting heckled. I have to tell you, I don't know if it doesn't bother me at all. And I understand that I was heckled. We did a segment last, I think it was last Friday. And I told you, all right, I watch Ancient Aliens and I'm a little curious about the UFO, and I know, laugh, 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 but given the monetary policies we have, I think the only way we can be saved is through the alien currency. And no, it's not Bitcoin, although I believe it. So um, I had a bunch of people call me up and you know, text me, are you out of your mind? You really believe in aliens? Yes. I uh, believe they're out there. At least I hope they are. I hope there's somebody going, what the hell is going on down there? And every once in a while, there's a credible sighting. Now, this is out of Reason.com, and this happened yesterday. Obvious bright light moving in the opposite direction. I zoom in on it. I slow it down. I don't alter it in any way other than trying to pull forward some possible features on this craft. And it does look like a triangle craft. Looks like it's got some sort of circles on the corners of this thing. It appears to be triangle shaped. We're going to zoom in on it real close and slow it down. I adjust the, the lighting. And you're going to see what look like circles on the corner that are probably some sort of light that are making this thing light up. Here I zoom in. You can see the, the craft go behind the field of view. It actually disappears right there behind the dragon. Here I'm going to zoom in on it, and you're going to see... Now, the dragon is in space that we're, we're, we're observing. So this happens in space. And I know, listen, it's either maybe it's a UFO or maybe it's a Biden drone. I don't know, but one's real dangerous. And... uh one is our only chance to pay off the debt. I mean, let's be optimistic about the aliens. I can't imagine they're going to like the Marxists. I had a great time. Fastest show ever. I'll be back tomorrow, 5 to 7. Thank you so much.